0: Is all suffering bad? I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad, living in the South, that some people suffered and as a result they came up with the idea of air conditioning so that I wouldn't have to suffer in the middle of summer. Right? That you'd look and say there are certainly cases and situations where, yeah, suffering isn't good. Right? And and we have a a number of different things, right? If if my leg is broken and, and I'm suffering as a result of that, I'm able to go to the doctor and he can alleviate my suffering not only by setting the broken bone in my leg, but perhaps prescribing me medicine that takes that pain away for a time. However, we also live in a culture and in a society that seems to try to avoid suffering at every corner. And not just suffering that you might experience, right, when you are in the hospital or or dealing with some illness or ailment, but any kind of suffering. Right, then you begin to see that with the different coping mechanisms that people begin to employ in in order to take the suffering that they are enduring away. Right, it it might be some emotional trauma, some emotional pain and and suffering that they're going through, it it could be spiritual suffering that they are going through in some way. And as a result, the, the way they try to alleviate that is through binge watching shows on Netflix. Right by, by by taking their mind and doing something in order to take their mind off of what they're going through. They can turn to drugs and, and alcohol, right? Those things can can be good, but they can also be used for well, for bad as, as people try to alleviate suffering. A number of things that, as you look at the world around us, it seems as though people abhor the idea of having to suffer. In the Netherlands, just getting old and and having to deal with some of the suffering that comes with with being old can be, be solved with euthanasia and assisted suicide perhaps we've experienced it in our own circle of friends or in our own family, people who were were suffering and decided that the only way out of that suffering was to take their own life. Right? You can look around us and you will see a a society and a culture that seems to say, if you are suffering, there is a drug, there is an, an action you can take, there is something you can do because the last thing we want is to suffer. Which gets us to the point of having to ask the question, is all suffering bad? Think of the believers in the early church. Right after Jesus rose from the dead and descended into heaven, he had given his disciples that, and not just the 12 apostles, but that larger group of disciples, this mission, that the, the job of the early church was to spread the gospel, right? In Judea, in Jerusalem and in Judea, and then in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the, those early disciples begin right away with that work and they begin telling people about who Jesus is and what he's done for them and the victory that was now theirs. And the religious leaders didn't like that, and so they beat him up. They imprisoned them. They caused and brought suffering into their life. And you would expect at that point, at some point, because of that suffering, they would have shut their mouth and just realized if I be quiet, the suffering goes away. And yet you remember how they reacted, they rejoiced. They rejoiced in suffering because in their minds it meant that God had chosen them to be his children because after all, as God's children, they were now suffering the same way their Savior was. They were suffering because they bore the name of their Savior and as a result, they saw that suffering as good. Or think of the Apostle Paul. Right, he he, you think of all the different things that the Apostle Paul suffered in his ministry as he proclaimed the gospel, right? And in in, in one of his letters, he he goes through and he talks about all the things that he endured and and the suffering that he went through. In fact, at one point (coughs) he prays to to God and says, God had at least given him some thorn in his flesh, some type of suffering. It might have been something physical, it could have been something emotional or spiritual. We're not ever told what that thorn in the side of Paul's flesh was, but it was something that obviously brought Paul suffering. And, and what Paul prayed for, Lord, was, was take this away. And his reason for it was good. Take this away so that I can continue to, to proclaim your word. And you know what Paul's, or what God's answer was? No. Because that suffering, Paul, reminds you of your weaknesses. It reminds you, Paul, that you're not in control, that you're weak, and what it ultimately does, Paul, is it drives you to me. And that's what Paul confessed, right? That even in my weakness, I'm I'm strong because I find my strength in my Savior. Paul would be one that would say, no, suffering is not necessarily bad because it drives me ultimately to my Savior and I find my strength even in the midst of weakness in my Savior. In our second lesson, we heard uh, Paul talking about or writing to uh, a group of believers in the city of Thessalonica. The believers in Thessalonica were persecuted from the day Paul showed up. Paul showed up and, and Thessalonica began preaching and teaching the gospel. Paul and the believers were dragged before the the, the city officials. And in essence, the, the, the goal of those who were persecuting them were try to make, were, was to try to make the Christians the enemies of the state. They're kicked out, persecuted. Paul ends up having to leave Thessalonica in the dead of night, in order to escape with his life, goes to Berea, and you'd almost expect now this small group of Christians under some rather fierce persecution, some suffering that had come into their life because of what they heard and what they believed, to perhaps realize, if I just keep my mouth shut, suffering goes away. But they didn't. At some point, the question has got to enter your mind like it did mine. Why in the world did my brothers and sisters in Christ in the early church and Paul and in Thessalonica and any number of examples you can think after that, why were they willing to do that? Why did they have in their minds that not all suffering was bad in fact you listen to how they talked and they thought some suffering in their lives was really good i don't know how you react to suffering i recoil at it right kind of like when you i don't know take a, a hot pan out of the oven you put it on top of the stove and then forget that it's hot and you grab it and and just like that you're letting it go right that you get a little bit of suffering in in, in my life and i'm, I'm I'm not, I don't like suffering. So why is it then that the believers in Thessalonica, the the believers in the early church, Paul, or even today, right? We heard Emily talk last week as she talked about the care packages for our college students. Why is it that college students are, are ridiculed? and ashamed because of what they believe as children of God. You don't think that brings a little bit of emotional suffering into their life? My guess is you've experienced it. Right? As you work and interact with people, whether you're at at work or in your neighborhood or at home or, or with friends, right? As you talk about the things that you believe and hold close and dear to your heart because of what God has done for you, and the things that the Bible says... It's likely going to bring suffering at some point into your life. And the temptation is going to be there, like it has been for all believers, that when that suffering comes, how do I react? Especially knowing that most of us don't like suffering. that it's easy to make the suffering go away. To understand, I think, why the believers in the early church and in Thessalonica and ever since then have stood in the face of suffering and and willingly and gladly endured it is you have to get into their heart, don't you? Like, you, you have to dig down beyond the surface and understand where they were coming from. When Paul arrives in Thessalonica, he's talking to believers who had no clue about the the saving God. Most of them were Greek. So Paul comes and he tells them about a God who took on flesh and stepped down from his throne in the heavens above and became like one of them. And he talks to them about their sin and the guilt that they have. And how their consciences are reminding them of, well, yeah, they might be good people in some ways, but their consciences are telling them, you're not so good in others. And how now Paul has this answer for them in this God who, who came in and loves them. And he tells them about a, a God who came and, and, and died for them and forgives them and takes all of that away. Right, for those first disciples in in Jerusalem, as they're preaching and teaching in the temple courts and telling their fellow Jews, for them it was this fulfillment of a promise that God himself had made to their forefathers the the promise of a Savior who was going to come and free them from sin. Right, and and, and whether you were a Greek or a Jew, what you had was this picture of of the Almighty God who would love someone. Like me. Right? They they knew their sin better than anyone. They they knew their failures, they knew their, their sin and, and their guilt. Their consciences bothered them. And now they had heard this good news that God wasn't mad, that God wasn't upset and, and angry and trying to crush them. He wasn't going to to get them back for all the bad things that they had done. Instead, they hear about a God who, who dearly loves them, loves them so much, he was willing to suffer and die for them. And because of that, sin is gone. Guilt is forgiven. In fact, because of that, death turns to life. And when you are in that place where despair has begun to take hold of your heart. Right? Where where guilt is piling up. And I feel as though there's no answer. And and ultimately, what it brings me is suffering. To suddenly, in a moment, hear words that remind me or that tell me that that suffering has gone because a Savior has come. Man, you don't forget that, do you? In fact, it it makes such an impression on your heart and in your mind that that when you realize and see that my suffering ultimately is gone because a a Savior has come and forgiven my sin, I'm willing to suffer rather than give that up. It's where those early believers were at, weren't they? Right, As, As they faced and heard people that were telling them, be quiet or else... They said, I'd rather suffer than keep my mouth shut. Because what I've been told has taken a far greater suffering away. Man, it's no different for for you and I, though, is it? Because you and I deal with the same sin and the same guilt that they did. You and I carry around the same luggage of of guilt and and, and reminders of past sin. You and I carry around all the same stuff they did. And you and I have heard that same message, haven't we? That our God has, has revealed to us that he has come to earth, lived and died for a sinner like you and a sinner like me. So that when you think of all those perhaps sleepless nights that you've had, as you replay things in your mind, right? as as you think about the, the times in which you've kept your mouth shut because it kept you from suffering the ridicule, the funny looks, the disdainful looks of others, and you wish you would have been a little more brave, Right? We have a God who comes to us and he doesn't hold those things over our head and make us feel even more ashamed. He doesn't shake his head at us and go, yeah, I wish you were a little better too. Instead, he comes to us and wraps us in his arms and and reminds us of his love for us. He tells us that we're forgiven. And just like that, that suffering of sin and guilt Goes away, doesn't it? And it puts me in the same place as those early Christians, whether in Jerusalem or in Thessalonica or any place else. A position that says, as I see what my God has done for me, I'd much rather suffer than give that up. And then we hear where Paul goes next. Next in his letter to the Thessalonians, right? As he's encouraging believers who are persecuted because of, of what they believe and hold dear to their heart, he says, don't forget that, that one day your Savior is going to come back and he's going to make that suffering go away Permanently. Right? then he holds before the believer's eyes that that beautiful picture of of heaven, right? Where where not only is sin and death gone, but but suffering is gone. And whether that suffering is in, in body because of illness or ailment or whatever, or spiritual or emotional because of persecution that's been brought. He says all that goes away. And in fact, what our Savior is going to do is punish those who brought that suffering into the life of believers. Right and, and you listen during that second lesson from Thessalonians about how he 's going to bring eternal destruction and everlasting suffering into their life, and that 's where things get a little weird for the Christian because on the one hand, I rejoice in knowing the, in, in the fact that my suffering for being a child of God will one day end. And at the same time as I hear of what's waiting for those who don't believe and who may bring suffering into my life, the thing I want to do is tell them about the one who takes suffering away. I want to tell the one who's persecuting me And bringing suffering into my life about the one that they're persecuting and making me suffer for. Because as I see what's waiting for them, that heart of love that my Savior has for me beats inside of me and says, I don't want that for anyone. And so the Christian is in this odd position of where the world would scream for vengeance. The Christian says, not only will I suffer... So that I, because I'm not going to give up what's mine, I'm also going to suffer so that I can tell you about the one who takes your suffering away. It pains me to say it, but there is going to be suffering in the life of a Christian and in our lives, and it's only going to get worse. We should not hold before our eyes this idea that in some way God's kingdom is going to come here on earth that is suddenly going to make all things better and take all suffering away. And at the same time, as children of God, we can rejoice in that suffering because it reminds us of of who we are. It reminds us that God has chosen us and forgiven us and called us to be his children and as a result we may suffer and in that suffering it reminds me that one day my Savior will make all that suffering go away that one day my suffering will be undone and so until that day with the believers who have gone before me and with the believers who come after me, I may suffer. And that's okay. Because not all suffering is bad. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunedin Valley Road, about three-quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 10:15, with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook or Instagram.